Smash it. Bye bye. What are we doing today? What is this? Is this a show? I think this is a show. This is a show. Is it a show within a show? Um, or is yes. this just a show? It's always a show within a show. The play is the thing. Yes, or the sitcom in this case. The, the sitcom in this case. So uh, this is Dad Pods. Welcome. We are we are the aforementioned dads. Uh, this is uh, we are continuing our deep dive into WandaVision. This is episode six, the all new Halloween spooktacular. So we finally get a chance to do a holiday episode of a sitcom, which has always been a staple in sitcoms. You know, and I think that's why they had to do it. Yeah, and it's also. This is the first episode where we see children. Yep. In the show, yeah, other than other than WandaVision the, kids. Uh, other after the the babies were born and after the big blow up in the last episode, where mm-hmm. Vision goes, "Where are all the children?" Right. Then all they're they're all over the place, and Halloween is sort of the best children running around. All right. Day. And and when this is aired, it's nowhere near Halloween. No. At no, all. This was February, <laughs> January, yeah. something and, like that. And I, even like before the schedule, schedules changed because of the pandemic and everything. I don't sure. think this episode is ever supposed to air and eat Halloween. No, I think this this show was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be late 2020, but yeah. I think it was like November. Yeah. And originally it was supposed to be after Fal- Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to go first. Like that it was, that was definitely a given. Yeah. And, uh, and that but, one was delayed because of the, because that one had so much on on sort of location type scenes right. that they were doing because this has lots of in a studio where you can control your uh, environment a little bit better. right uh, as as we've already discussed with the show most of it takes place in this bubble of Westview mm-hmm. and then even yeah. the the sword stuff happens like right outside of there so this is all mm-hmm. not many locations they created a bubble just like the NBA did at the end for That's the NBA season totally great. <laughs> Wanda, we should we should just point this out. Wanda would be great for the pandemic. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful if you can get past that whole, uh, you know, mind control, moral ambiguity, uh, all that stuff. Don't worry about that. All right. So anyhow, we we, we opened the show, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're starting. To, like last time, we were doing the the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, and now we're we're closer to the two thousands. The yeah, opening nineties, two thousands. Yeah. It looks like Malcolm in the Middle, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's it's the handheld cam vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's manic. It's clearly while the other shows could have been a mashup of different '80s shows, this one has to be Malcolm in the Middle because that's right. basically a, a parody of the Malcolm mm-hmm. in the Middle song. Yeah, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You see the kids running around, and you see Billy and Timmy dressing up. Uh, they're ready for Halloween, and they happen to dress up in the superhero outfits that their characters in the comics would. Very similar. Now, uh, Tommy is actually in a costume that is like his now uncle, Pietro. Yes. Uh, in the comics, I think he's green, but it's very similar. And then uh, Billy is Wiccan in the comics, and it's basically just the same thing. Yeah. Now, we can also say the same thing for Wanda and yeah. Vision. Yeah, Wanda comes down dressed as a Sokovian fortune teller. Quote, unquote. Yeah, except for... She just looks like her original costume. She looks like costume. her, yeah, her costume in the comics, which is, which is, we have to say it, a ridiculous costume. Yeah, and she looks absolutely ridiculous, and the characters also make fun of that. Yeah, and uh, Vision, Vision is basically a Mexican wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> I think he even makes a comment, it's like, Wanda likes 
has a thing for Mexican wrestlers or something like that. Yeah, which is a great excuse to put him in the original uh, yellow and green costume. Yeah. It's the only um, thing it could possibly be other than right. dressing up like Vision. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, so, I mean, again, this is one of those things. And Pietro is also in his kind of classic uh, X-Men era uh costume where he's got this ridiculous flash across his chest and he's almost skin tight yeah and his his hair is up and spiky and his hair is up in spikes we have to talk about hair in comic books okay at some point i don't know if we want to do that right here but like you have the same thing with wolverine Mm -hmm. where he's got these like like he's got horns his head is like his hair is shaped into horns what is that <laughs> so nobody's hair does that. I actually had a roommate in college whose hair kind of did that, and when the movie came out, he was pretty happy with that because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like a constant bedhead kind of thing. Yeah, it's such a weird thing that like there's that you have to distinguish. I think it's because you, you artists are really bad about like being able to distinguish faces. Yeah, too much, and you have to have some sort of distinct sort of. Hey, look, we're going to give this guy ridiculous head. Right. The faces are really similar, especially. So there, there's like this thing in art where you learn the idealized human form. That's part of the reason why all superheroes are so muscular, because they're basically taking like they're good artists. But the, the one thing you do is like you learn the idealized form and like that's all they're drawing for comic right. so all, this, all the silhouettes are super, super similar. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one way to vary it up is changing the hair because mm-hmm. you need them to stand out besides color right you should right. your silhouettes need, need to stand out from each other yeah and i guess that makes sense because there's no there's no like universal steve rogers face right right, right? it's you has he has to be wearing the costume mm-hmm. because if he's not wearing his costume and how do you tell the difference between steve rogers and uh hawkeye for example yeah because they're oh, both yeah. like they're, they're both they're like muscular blonde dudes <laughs> and the thing about like you know they teach you these proportions when you're learning uh-huh. are like oh this this is how far the eye should be this is what the I, the quote unquote idealized nose should be and it's really as you get more into it and you're drawing a particular person then you alter it mm-hmm. but you got to remember they made these characters and multiple artists are doing them so right. the easiest thing to teach them is the same proportions over and over again <laughs> right right so we just give them weird hair exactly yeah mm-hmm. it's like it's almost a little easier if they were if they had cast an actor and then you just have to target like, Oh, you're drawing needs to look like that actor mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. giving someone sort of abstract instructions. Like, well, I'll just sort of go nuts with this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It, it is an interesting thing. It's, it's, it's a little bit like asking, okay, Hey guys, um, put a, put a lineup of, and we're going to have, okay, we're going to have Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and we're going to have Hal Jordan. Yep. And they're just going to be playing their drawings and like try <laughs> to figure out who the, which, which one is right. I always thought the funniest one is they do Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent and the, because they always have these Batman versus Superman things. And sure. they're like, they look totally the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, distinguishing, the distinguishing thing for Superman is his hair curls, right? That's like right. The, the, but then, but Clark Kent doesn't. Yeah. That's Clark Kent just has, his, his hair is his pushback and he's wearing glasses. So when he goes out of costume, does, does he have hair gel to make sure that his hair can get slicked back? That's an excellent question. Yeah, I think that's, he could use his super speed to get that. <laughs> so 
<laughs> these are the important questions that we need to answer on that. This points. is a this is totally a dad pond tangent. A, yeah. a dad a dan dad dad tangent. Dad tangent. That doesn't work. Um, and, yeah. So so during this whole sequence in the beginning, you know, you've got you've got the uncle Pietro who's been sleeping on the couch and yeah, it's pretty good he's with like the kids. With now, yeah. He's living with them now. It's it's another like standard sitcom trope where you have the somewhat deadbeat uncle who doesn't do anything. He's just crashing with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vision is supposed, according to Wanda, is supposed to take the kids out. But he says, oh, no, I have to go do the neighborhood watch. And uh, Wanda is a bit perturbed by that. She says, you're not supposed, You're not supposed to, do that. to do that. Yeah. That's not in the script. That's yeah. There, again, now we know that Wanda's in control. Yeah. She has intention for everything, but she clearly doesn't have control over vision or, or Pietro. Mm hmm. Yeah. We'll get into that more later mm -hmm. on. She's weirded out by Pietro being there. Sure. She's a little uncomfortable, but she's also like, you know, it's kind of cool that you're here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then we cut to outside the hex. Yeah, the the okay. drone is recovered. The drone that tried to kill Wanda with a missile. Right, right, and it's uh, it's no longer working, but it's also glowing. Right? Yeah, you got you got all the the the, the Wanda magic all over it. Mm -hmm. uh, note that will come up later on. Yeah, and uh, so clear Hayward's there, and he's sort of debating the nature of Wanda with Monica, and. Uh, Darcy and, and yeah, Jimmy. it's it's a little similar to the same argument they were having last time. It was like you know, Hayward's like we're gonna, we got to take her out, we got to kill her. Yeah, he and believes that's the only like, way. Hey, no, let's be reasonable. Yeah, and uh, you know, Monica makes some very sound arguments of like mm -hmm. you can't do it, <laughs> like yeah. flat out. Like, yeah, and uh, Hayward just is like you can't stop me. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, an interesting line comes up here where Hayward. He, he, you know, takes the ad hominem attack against Monica, saying that like, oh yeah, you you've always been sympathetic to these supers. Uh, I know your history with Carol Danvers, now, right? Which which is a, she was a child, right? <laughs> so there's that. Although later on, there's another hint that maybe something went happened between the two of them because it seems like she's not at all happy with the uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um... That is that is a little weird. We we don't know. We we assume that Captain Marvel left Earth in the early nineties, yeah. After the Captain Marvel movie, and that she didn't come back until um, after the Thanos snap. Right. Yeah, we see it happen at the end of the movie, uh, in the the Captain Marvel movie, and we also see it at the start of uh, Endgame. Right. So we may not. So. If that's true, then she didn't have any interaction with Monica until the last couple of weeks, if, right. if at all. Right. Right. Um, but if there is some sort of falling out between the two of them, there would have to be some sort of relationship. Right. Between that. One would think. One fine. would think. <clears throat> so there's another interesting thing here where Hayward seems to ha have some disdain for the people who left during the blip yeah <laughs> like he's it's mad like at it was them. somehow their fault yeah yeah he's like oh you know you didn't have to rebuild society like we did you just got to return mm -hmm. um i feel like in this modern era this is almost <laughs> dare, dare i say it this white guy cop attitude <laughs> that Hayward sure. is reflecting yeah 
I mean, we get a little bit of this attitude too, you know, not to spoil too much, but in the in the uh, Falcon Winter Soldier show. Oh, we get a ton of that attitude. <laughs> we get a ton of that. There's there's like a terrorist organization that's basically based around that uh, organization, right? There, yeah. They were they were the people that lived for the five years and they had their own society and everything like that, and then people come back and they got displaced. Yeah. Um. So uh, there's certainly the the MCU is certainly putting that out there as a, you know, as a, as a, as a potential sort of plot point down the line to sort of create, I think maybe to even create some of these sort of um, antagonists. Yeah. There's a tension between those. It's half, half the world, Mm -hmm. half the world disappeared, half remained. Yeah. I think um, it's, it's, it's maybe a, you know, at some point, at some point we might, get some sort of plot points that are outside of what you get from the, from the, um, the comics as like a, like a, a reason for a villain to exist. For example, mm-hmm. you're getting a little bit with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like that. The reason that these, these quote unquote terrorists exist is, is because of the blip. Now I know that they have a similar sort of blip in the, in the comics, but in the comics, it's almost like it goes right back to where it was. It it totally does. It happened because the, Infinity Gauntlet saga in the comics takes place over like a day. <laughs> yeah, and it's totally space based, and it's a, it's over. Yeah, the the MCU has this legit consequence, which is a five year sort of absence of half the universe. Right, and so uh, that half coming back has created certainly on Earth, as we're seeing, has created some conflict, and I think oh, yeah. that's interesting because that's a that's a total MCU construct that didn't occur before in the comics. Yeah, and it's kind of great that they can do this because the MCU is, you know, such driven by creatively mm-hmm. kind of a single creative vision. Comics yeah. couldn't do this because the comic lines had to return, even though they do these big crossover events, they kind of had to return to the status quo because it's some comic... normalcy because there's every there's 27 people writing 35 comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like how the character silhouettes had to be sort of determined by like, well, you've got a lot of different artists. <laughs> yeah. Same thing for this, the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so we've got this tension now between the three, our three good guys and Hayward, mm-hmm. uh, and he tries to kick them out. He he has uh, he says like you're off of my base, and uh, you know Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy are sent out, but Jimmy, and Monica have other plans. They beat up their guards and take their outfits, which is such a way to. I mean, every how often does that work, where you would just be able to beat somebody up, take their clothes, and have them not wake up? Yes. And, and then it works to where people just, oh, okay, you're wearing that person's clothes. I don't recognize your face, Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> We've only seen you around base this whole time. <laughs> yeah, you were wearing other clothes earlier, but that's fine. You're wearing, you know, that my friend's clothes. That's fine. Yeah, Monica should be super famous among S.W.O.R.D. too, because she was like their astronaut. <laughs> Jimmy yeah. was leading the whole investigation before. FBI, he was wearing the FBI jacket the entire time. Darcy, of course, was the scientist that everyone was listening to, but you know. Yeah, but okay, yeah, but it works in every. It's it's sort of like the the standard um, incognito Marvel character going undercover. Wear a baseball cap. Wear a baseball cap, (laughs) maybe a hoodie, some sunglasses. You're fine. Yeah, Captain America does that several times. Captain America does it several times. They sort of make fun of it in Ant Man. Yeah, and the Wasp, I think. Where where they're they're sort of on the run and they're just wearing these just ridiculously 
you know, aviator glasses and, and all they're all wearing the same dark nondescript hat. Where do you get a nondescript hat? <laughs> yeah, with, you like can't buy no, it. with no insignia on it, nothing. It's just it's just, you know, a hat that's just I, black. I think that stands out more than if you had a logo on it, because every single baseball hat has a logo. Yeah, every baseball hat has something, whether it's, you know, a hardware company or an actual baseball team or, you know, whatever. I don't have any hats that are just plain. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't sell those. <laughs> no, you can't find them anywhere. They're really rare. Um, <laughs> anyway, we digress. Yes. Um, back in Westview, back in uh, cartoon or uh, sitcom land, uh, the twins are trick-or-treating. Yep. And then we start to see them. Uh, is this where we start to see them using powers? Yeah, so they're, they're trick-or-treating, uh, the super speed's going on, they're breaking pumpkins, and they're, you know, kind of stealing candy mm-hmm. using, using Pietro's speed. And, uh, you know, Wanda, at some point, she tries to stop uh, Pietro on stuff <laughs> from their youth. Like, she's talking about how, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, what do you remember about mom and dad? And he's like, oh, you're t-. and he even says, you, you're quizzing me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what was funny, this, there was an earlier scene where Pietro's like, remember when we used to go trick-or-treating and all we got was like dysentery or something like that? It, <laughs> it does a flashback to when they're kids, they're trick-or-treating yeah. and a woman gives them a fish. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, um, Pietro is wearing a pirate, at least a pirate, um, like the eye patch. I don't know if it was a full pirate uh, costume or not. And then she's wearing like beetle antennas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it could have been just, you know, like a, like a throw together sort of, um, you know, he's a pirate and she's, uh, you know, uh, some kind of bug. Or it could have been, you know, at the time, there would have been a, a wasp, the first wasp mm-hmm. that may have been, I don't know if they were like out, in, you know pop culture that there sure. was a wasp um and then nick fury right like nick right nick right Fury was a, a thing i don't know if that's a reference to that or not or just a coincidence just a, a random bit that they did for because because flashback. there are lots there are lots of coincidences that feel like they're they're easter eggs yeah but they're not I it, it's pretty clear having watched the whole thing that they're not anything but coincidences right particularly with how some of the so the the two most creative people around this it seems like it was uh jack schaefer and Elizabeth Olsen were kind of the, like two of the people that were really, really right. um, created a lot of this, particularly around the character of Wanda. And they were asked questions afterwards and, just, and they're like, they were just like, huh? Who's that? <laughs> what? Why would, why would that matter at all? I yeah. don't know who that is. Oh, I didn't read any of the comics, that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. just like, it's, I think some of the side writers that sort of helped with the, the uh, creative process for certain episodes were just like, oh, we should throw in a little bit of this here. It's like, why? Oh, because it's this character that did this and this and this. And just like, sure, whatever. Yeah. The prop department was really good. And I think they yes. added in a lot of this flavor. Uh-huh. And uh, the fandom definitely took it really far. That being said, this is what happens when you have a really good crew together and everyone cares. Like that, that's mm-hmm. clear. And I will say- Same this thing point, to go with fans. When, when fans really care. Yeah. Um, and I think- it helps the show and certainly helped the show along the way. It might hurt it at the end. A little when bit. Fans don't get exactly what they want. Right. Um, and, and that can be a, a, a barrier to sort of 
because I, I think there's been a lot of people and you've probably heard this too that after the show is like oh man I, I really liked it all the way until the end mm-hmm. then i was just disappointed yeah like, we'll, we'll talk about that about? at the finale yeah. and, and i think there are probably legit criticisms for the finale just like anything but sure i mean legit criticisms i don't think the that, that a that a legit criticism is you know the things that i wanted to have happen didn't happen yeah that's, that's not legit that's, that's just it's really lame <laughs> but if you have a legit question about like oh i wasn't sure that they really executed this particular thing it was like okay fine that's fine yeah yeah i was confused that's that's a little different yeah but it's like i if it didn't happen the way i wanted it to happen right it's like it's like watching Romeo and Juliet and saying they should have lived happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just not what was supposed to happen. So I will say now we've gotten to this part of the sitcom, and I actually find this sitcom universe really enjoyable. Just like the last one that was in the '80s, like mm-hmm. this. While it might have been harder to get into the Dick Van Dyke and the Bewitched segments, and maybe a little bit of the '70s, but again, Brady Bunch was my wheelhouse, so I really like that. <laughs> this one for a lot of people, you know, early 2000s, late 90s sitcoms is definitely in the Gen, House, Gen X wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. the fact that this is such a takeoff on Malcolm in the Middle really makes yeah. it a lot of fun. And they're really nailing the kind of humor that these shows mm-hmm. had. And the pacing, everything, just the general acting is just so spot on. Yeah. Yeah. We see that. We say that in this episode and, and, Spoiler alert! Coming up in the next one, I think, are two of the better acted. Um, oh yeah. yeah, episodes. So uh, we then come to our uh, vision. So we, we kind of cut to vision, yeah. So he's he's not on his neighborhood watch, right? And that's revealed when Wanda talks to one of the neighborhood watch guys and asks where Vision is. He's like, oh, he didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's heading out out west or east or somewhere on the outskirts of town yeah right and and then you you get to see the way that the town town is built up everything close to wanda and the family is very very detailed and very very um all the you know setting is perfect every everybody's performances are right on everybody has a clear job all the side pieces and then you get out to the outskirts and the people are just kind of, you know, in a loop. They're not really doing anything. Yeah. You see a woman trying to hang up Halloween decorations, never mm-hmm. quite completing the task. And her arm goes yeah. back down. She goes back up, she keeps moving. It's a little bit like uh, like going through like a, it's a small world, right? Everybody's like an animatronic. Yeah. Going through. They just have one little thing they can do and then they do it again. And, and, and they're it's just kind of stuck doing that. Totally creepy, right? It's very it, creepy. At this point, the audience kind of has an idea what's going on because we know that it's all Wanda and we know right. that he's traveled out further. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously... But, but I think importantly during this is that Vision still doesn't know. Right. He doesn't know what he is, honestly. He yeah. doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. He doesn't know how he got there. Um, you know, every time he kind of confronts Wanda about it, there's like a interruption that sort of changes. Right. The, the tenor of everything and yeah. he just goes along with it yeah as we've seen so far mm-hmm. uh you know and the closest we've gotten was the blow up they had in the last episode right which was then you know hey look pietro <laughs> instantly turned around yeah. so we cut to commercial and it's this claymation 
uh, ad for Yo Magic. <laughs> this is the this is the weirdest of all the commercials, I think. This one I don't have a good handle on. So Yo Magic is a uh, a yogurt, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a a little boy trapped on a desert island. He he says, "I'm so hungry, I'd eat anything." And then a shark appears and says, <laughs> "Hey, have some Yo Magic," and it's it's a, a little you know single yogurt serving of yogurt. Which were super popular back in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Still are, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, totally. And so, and the kid's trying to open it, and you see the passage of time. He's completely unable to open it. Yeah. He, so much time passes that he wastes, he wastes away, away. And uh, that's it. <laughs> like, yo, yeah. magic. Yeah. I don't even know what a reference. This isn't like a Hydra reference. This isn't a Tony Stark no. reference. This is I'm like, wondering if it's a reference. Yeah, so the, the only thing I can think of is that it was uh, the blip. Yeah, the of snap. I don't know if that's. It's weird. It's a weird metaphor if it is, because yeah. she she was because I mean not spoiler alert. It's seven years ago now that that came out or whatever it was. Um, she was snapped out of existence. Yeah, maybe maybe I don't. It's weird because all the other ads are so intentional and have mm-hmm. really strong connection to past movies, and this one is just like, well, they call the yogurt yo magic, right. <laughs> And bad things. And I think also it is, you know, we, we, we have, we've talked about, you know, uh, uh, Wanda being magic or or being able to use magic. And this is the first show, this show is the first time where they actually talk about that. Yeah. In in previous incarnations of her in the MCU, it's always her abilities or her powers or something like that. Not magic. It's that, like that's psychokinetic a, or yeah, you know, rea- reality manipulating or something like that. But it's not magic. It came from the We're mind stone, right? Like that was the big thing. Right, right. The mind stone is just science that we don't understand. Right. So that is that's a good point. So this is the first indication you have of, of magic per se. Right. And in this show, and and in, right. and maybe in this uh, incarnation of it, could be. So maybe that's it. The the ad ends. And now we return back to the sitcom land, and now it's dark. Yeah. They're and uh, trick or treating for for real. Yeah, they're they're, they're trick or treating. Uh, that is kind of an interesting thing too, because most sitcoms they, they usually do like a day for night thing. Like they they trick or treat in light because it's easier to film. But yeah. <laughs> this one they actually do both. Yeah. Because they've it's... got they've got some really good lights out though. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. because of course this is a. Uh, hundred over a hundred million dollars yeah. yeah tv series endeavor that's that's going on and by the way that's why we're so spoiled with this show and falcon and winter soldier these are crazy high budget tv series oh yeah yeah um what was the i read the other day about the upcoming amazon show uh, the lord of the Rings show yeah it's gonna be like 485 million dollars just for one season or something like that yeah it's insane and they plus they paid like several hundred million dollars for the rights just the to the rights one. yeah Mm-hmm. yeah those, that's that's insane it's uh it's not uh <laughs> no resemblance to the budget that the shows that this show is uh parodying right has. oh yeah i mean the dick van dyke show like i mean over the over the course of the, sh- the show like the however many seasons it lasted it probably had a less budget than even adjusted for inflation that the first episode of this Oh so yeah, the whole yeah. time, yeah. and yeah, same Malcolm in the Middle. They they filmed those things in a week, so they didn't have a lot of time to put those things together. Yeah, that's one of those things you learn a lot of if you if you listen to any of those 
um, the podcast, there's several of them now that are doing like rewatch pods and they're the actual like cast members or crew members or whatever that are actually doing the pod. Yeah. So like the, 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 I think the most famous one right now is the fake doctors, real friends one with uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison from scrubs. And they're going through episode by episode and they talk about how, you know, you start an episode on Monday and you're done by, you know, Friday and how how just quick turnaround like how you know your your episode might not even be fully written by wednesday but you're already starting to shoot on monday yeah <laughs> you know and uh like and how just like just the the juggling of real life has to happen so um if you remember anything about scrubs uh in uh john ritter played zach braff's father Mm-hmm. John Ritter, the famous actor from Three's Company and other stuff, uh, he died during the production of Scrubs, and he was scheduled to actually be on Scrubs to guest star on Monday. He died over the weekend, mm-hmm. previous weekend, and they scrambled to sort of rewrite the episode, and they brought in um, the actor that played uh, Zach Braff's brother instead, and they're just like putting that episode together in the course of like, normally you get a little bit of time cause you have some, you know, pre-production stuff. This one was completely like one week turnaround time. Yeah. Yeah. So TV's, that's TV's not crazy. what this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what WandaVision, this is, this is WandaVision is shot like a movie. Yeah, it completely is. And uh, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, we get to film at night, <laughs> which is <That's> <laughs> another tangent. Yeah. So interestingly, if you look at the theater that's there, um, you see the Incredibles and the Parent Trap, which both would have been out what's the it's a ninety late nineties, early two thousands mm-hmm. movies. Uh, both of which are Disney movies, by the way. Or now it's sure. Pixar Disney. Pixar Disney, and then uh, I guess Disney Parent Trap. That was the was that the Lindsay Lohan. This is the Lindsay Lohan one. Yeah. Okay. This so, would have been young Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan yes. is like now like thirty five. Oh yeah, totally. But that <laughs> that shows when. Uh, this, this sitcom is supposed to take place. Yeah, so early 2000s. Right. And so uh, Pietro and uh, Wanda are talking again. And, you know, Wanda still doesn't quite buy. Trust him. Yeah. Big Pietro. And she goes to him, well, like, what happened to your accent? And he very telling goes, well, what happened to yours? <laughs> Which, yeah, because she only slips into the, the Sokovian accent when she's, like, when she's Wanda outside of the bubble. I think that's the only time we've seen her. Yeah, and I think what's great about this is like even in the movies, her accent came and went. <laughs> Occasionally, yeah, it it gets a little, particularly when she's got to say more than just a couple of words. Yeah, it's harder to do that. It's not as bad as like. Um, do you remember that? Um, do you remember the the Kevin Costner movie about the JFK assassination? Not JFK. <laughs> yeah well that one also is bad because he starts out with a little bit of a southern accent and then he loses that one towards the end of it (laughs) but he plays um it's about not the jfk assassination but the the cuban missile crisis yeah i saw that yeah so he's supposed to have this like boston thick boston accent yeah and it's like there for maybe the first scene and then it's just him being kevin costner yeah forget it okay i'm not gonna do this anymore (laughs) also a good movie i can't remember that i think it's like three days and something or like that. yeah or six days later six six something. days something yeah. like that but it's a good movie anyway. yeah so yeah that she still doesn't trust uh that and she keeps quizzing him like she doesn't get how pietro got there mm-hmm. 
so yet again it's we have this dichotomy of like this whole fake world we know that wanda's mostly responsible for it yet there are elements that she doesn't seem to have control over so we've already seen it with vision she doesn't have control the, the boys aging up she didn't have any control over that and then pietro pietro doesn't look like the pietro that she knows as we know from watching the mcu Mm-hmm. And uh, he seems to be able to go off script quite a bit. Yeah, he he can he can improvise. The only people that we've seen improvise so far have been him, Vision, yeah, Agnes weirdly. Agnes, yeah, Agnes broke script. Because, oh, do you want because me to she take had that? Take? Should I do, should I do that again? Yeah, um, Geraldine. And I think the kids do. Yeah, the, the, and the, the and Geraldine, yes, yeah. Geraldine yeah. slash Monica. Right. So we've um, seen this happen a few times. And then we we start we sort of start to see uh, at least one of the kids has powers, right? Yeah, the, one of them has his own super speed, yeah. uh, and then the kids they want to do a little bit extra trick or treating. They hear about some full size candy bars. <laughs> Wanda warns them to not go past Ellis Ave. Is there is there anything um, uh, more valuable when you're when you're trick or treating than the knowledge that some place has full size candy bars? I kind of don't think so. This, this is stuff of legends, right? Like yeah. the, the full-size candy bars is pretty great. Yeah. And now, so you you and your family used to live, uh, you know, near us, and we used to go Halloween trick-or-treating every year together. And uh, one of the last years that we went together, we 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 went to the, the, the rich part of town. Oh, yeah. So we went to the neighborhood that, that has... Um, uh, it was the the Larry Ellison house, and, and it's in Palo Alto. It's a famous neighborhood. The yeah. uh, um, uh, what's her face, the the widow of um, of Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. So their house. They they actually live right across the street from one another. Yeah. Uh, and that neighborhood had the full size candy bars. It had more than full size candy. It had yes. people reenacting scenes. Yes, they had. They had actors. people reenacting scenes. They had actors. That that was the Allison house. They had like a like a like a set built out in the front yard, of like horror movies going on, yeah. and actual actors doing them. But they also had the full size candy bar. Yeah, so that's what you want. You want, yeah. you want that candy. Yeah. So, you know, these kids are, are using the, their their powers to get that. So yes. then we, we go back to the sword camp. Well, and 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 I think uh, Wanda does just give them the warning: don't go past Ellis Avenue. Right. That's the last thing we know. So we're, we're back at, in uh, the real world. The three are returning to the sword camp and uh, Darcy's hacking into the computer because she's trying to figure out what, what Hayward has. What and, Hayward's doing, yeah. And she realizes that Hayward is tracking Vision, not tracking Wanda, even though he claims to be so concerned about her. Yeah, Vision he really cares mostly about Vision. Right. And uh, they notice, kind of as we've seen already, that there's something happening with the people at Edge of Town. They're not really moving. Right. And but uh, but vision is yes. So he's vision is heading out. towards the uh, the outskirts of town. Right. <clears throat> so we cut back into the sitcom world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vision's exploring the edge of that town, and not only are people beyond being on a loop; those people are just frozen. They're just standing there. And uh, he tries to talk to someone. Says like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Do you have, are your kids here?" No response. They're just completely frozen. And no one can talk to him. Yeah, out there. Vision flies up, he listens around, he hears the sounds coming from the center of town. 
closer to where Wanda is. And then he looks down and he sees that Agnes is in her car, right. uh, seemingly unable to drive out. Yeah. So, and so he asks, he starts trying to talk to her. She can talk to him. Yes. Oddly enough, um, everyone else is frozen, but yeah. <laughs> she can talk. And uh, so he does the whole thing where he, uh, you know, un does the little vision sparks to his to her side of her head, and then she's hysterical, just like um, was it Norm? Yep, yes. um, from his from his work was. So she's hysterical. Um, she asks if she's dead. Yeah, and and he's like, you know, no. Why would you think that? And it's like because you are. Yes. So um, obviously, it was common knowledge that that vision was dead. The vision was was killed by Thanos. Right. Um, uh, vision says that he's going to leave. Um, vision then, you know, after uh, Agnes, who is dressed up like a witch, by the way, mm-hmm. on Halloween, um, it's unclear what she's doing, driving out. In, in, given what we know later, it's mm-hmm. un, it's unclear what she's doing. Yeah, I so think that's, she, we could just say she, that she claims that she's trying to go to the uh, town square scare, and she's lost. And Vision asks, like, oh, "You're lost in the town that you grew up in." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what is she doing out there? We'll we'll definitely come back to this in a, in a later episode. And then he unfreezes her. She she turns her car around and drives back. Now, Vision, we see the, the street sign crosses Ellis Street. Dun, 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 dun. So, uh, okay, so he crosses Ellis Street, then we go back to Sword Camp, yep. which is just a, a classic way of, uh, of TV shows in general, not just sitcoms, but like, you know, something, something you know, exciting happens, like crossing Ellis Street. Yeah. And then you go to a different sort of, you know, scene. Right. Yeah, now we're back at Sword. And uh, you see Monica's getting a call from people that's claiming that they can get her in to the Hex. Mm -hmm. So now we find out from Darcy that Monica shouldn't go back in because crossing the barrier is changing her Her DNA. Which is all uh, interesting because, again, fans of the comic, we recognize the name Monica Rambeau from from the comics. Yeah, she has powers Mm -hmm. in the comic. Yeah, and, uh, um, and right and now she, she got not. those po- and she got those powers from her cells changing, basically. Yeah, <laughs> from energy manipulation or whatever. So, um, yeah. back in the town square. Or wait, wait, wait. We gotta have it. Um, Jimmy steals a jeep, and he and Monica take off. Right, right. They they drive off. Uh, Darcy stays behind, though. She's gonna keep mm-hmm. looking for data. And so then, then we go back. Really an, she's not really an action person. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Darcy's a scientist. So we're, we're back into the town square scare and Wanda and Pietro are still talking and Pietro goes the other way. Now, you know, before it was Wanda interrogating Pietro. Now Pietro's interrogating Wanda. He's like, oh, where were you hiding all these kids until now? And it's clear they're having a dialogue where Pietro knows that Wanda's in control. Doing this, yeah. Yeah. She goes, you don't think it's wrong? And Pietro's just sort of asking, like, I just want to know how you did all this. And uh, interestingly, this is where Wanda, we get, we finally get into the nature of Wanda's control here. And she says she doesn't mm-hmm. know how she did it. She just, all she remembers is feeling nothingness. 
And as she says this, she looks back at Pietro and she sees the version of Pietro, a bullet written form of him. Yeah. It's still Evan Peters, but yeah. Yeah. Still not the other actor, but, uh-huh. but she knows that Pietro should be dead. Yeah. Uh, very similar to the, don't we get that from the, in the previous episode, she gets a vision of vision that way. Yeah. She saw a vision with the, the mind stone removed from, yeah. from his forehead. Yeah. So, um, she, so she pictures him dead. Then we flash back to, uh, vision. He gets to the edge of the dome and, uh, swords on the other side. He's trying to leave. Yep. He can't as he, as he, as he gets out of the dome, he starts to disintegrate. Yeah. And we've now begun to realize that vision can't leave the dome. Something about the dome keeps him there and his, yeah. his body disintegrates as he's leaving. Right. Uh, and it's interestingly, we flash back to the town square scare. Yeah. Scare square. Uh, that Billy realizes something's wrong. Yeah. Billy has some sort of level of kind of Wanda powers. And uh, he says, you know, something's wrong with daddy, basically. Um, and then Wanda uh, goes into action. Yeah. So, you know, Pietro is saying, oh, don't worry about it. He can't. It's not like he can die twice. Wanda does yeah. not like this. No, she kicks his ass. Yeah, she <laughs> kind of force pushes him away. If, yeah, if we want to cross into the Star Wars world. Yeah. It's very, it's very Obi-Wan. Yes. She and knocks that, him across the town square scare. <laughs> so she knows that he's dying now and uh, uses her powers. You see like her eyes light up and mm-hmm. the, the dome just gets bigger. It pushes further out, right. taking more in its path. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we extend like past where some of the sword bases, everybody's trying to get away from the expanding, you know, blob. Yeah. Darcy gets sucked up. Darcy gets sucked up. A bunch of the sword people get sucked up. That yeah. whole area is, turns into a circus. Yes. Again, to fit the, the to theme. To fit of... the theme. Yeah. And episode ends. Yeah. And the episode ends. Um, what are your initial thoughts? So yeah, we talked about this briefly. That this is a, a, a solid episode. I think the the fun thing is that the the sitcom bits really work well, and it's they're funny. They're done in the style. It's when we look back at the series as a whole, it's not as impactful as like episode four in terms of being a turning point. This is almost more of just a continuation of the story. We're we're furthering things along. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. It needed to be there for the right pacing, but it's right. not like. When we get to it, episode eight's really big. There's a, there's a, and there's a big reveal coming up in episode mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. And I think that's a, really, that's a really good observation because we got the big, huge reveal at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't have the sort of same sort of <gasps> yeah. moment. And the next one also has the same sort of <gasps> moment. <clears throat> and so this is a little bit of a placeholder. It does move the plot along, certainly. Yeah. Um, it's probably why, even though this might totally, you know, hit into our, um, in our sitcom wheelhouse, just as, just as much as the last episode did, that we probably didn't sort of, it didn't resonate with us as much. Yeah, it's, if I, you know, there's only nine episodes, to, so to rank this one, it's probably going to be a little First bit further down. I will say that visually, this one's as good as any of them. Oh, yeah. And, and the visual, and the visuals of this episode, I think, are 
some of the more memorable, like Wanda in her costume, Vision in his costume. Those are like, you're going to remember that. Yeah. Um, particularly, you know, Pietro with the hair. We talked about it, but um, those are super memorable moments from the show. So, yeah, and we could talk about that now, like Pietro. So Pietro is not played by the actor that played Pietro in the MCU. Right. right. And uh, so th- why? Th- yeah. So there was, spec- <laughs> I think we can now dismiss part of the speculation with future knowledge that like <laughs> there was some thought before that this was uh, Marvel's way of merging the Fox properties. That, that doesn't happen. Let's just put that out right. of the way. So why is it someone else? Well, number one, Pietro's dead. So it can't be the same person if we're going to adhere to that. That being said, Vision's dead and he's back. Mm-hmm. Same right. actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in interviews, the, the, the creators have said that using someone different was very intentional. So it wasn't like they couldn't get the original actor. Right. They could have totally gotten the original actor. Yeah. So we know a little bit already about, you know, Wanda's doing all this. And she's alluded to some of the things that, that are going on where like, she doesn't remember anything. She, mm-hmm. All she remembers is feeling this nothingness and right. then all of a sudden she's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's clearly, but yet she's still, but she knows that the outside world exists. Right. We've seen that uh, in the, you know, the previous episode where she, um, she <laughs> walked out so, walked <laughs> yeah. out, and she's just like, hey, leave me alone. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I think she does need to certainly be reminded of what's going on. Yeah, and Pietro is interesting here where he even says to her, like, look, I'm not your dead husband. I'm not, you can trust me. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get answers out of her, but she has no idea why she's there and why he would be different than as she remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, you 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 sent this this uh, article on to me, I think a couple weeks ago, and it was a really... Uh, a, a, a well thought out piece. I can't remember if it was a vulture piece or, or, or not, or it might've been something different, but talking about why, how just the idea of grief and how it works is part of the reason why um, a different actor was used. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting idea. Just the, yeah, the idea, yeah. yeah, the idea that maybe using the same actor would have been too painful. To yeah. have that sort of pop into the the memories are different. Like the I think that's the idea of like not remembering exactly. And that, that's a theme that sort of comes up of like Wanda's not yeah. sure of exactly what happened. Right. I think I not think you know front again. And it's also there's enough time past where um you know you've lost relatives and, and people that you've loved and it, you do sort of remember them differently. Yeah. Like you you sort of forget what they look like, even if you've got pictures, you know, you, you don't always see them exactly the way you idealize them a little, little bit, sure. right? You, you make them more perfect than they were as humans. And that, because that also makes you feel better about sure. how everything ended. It's part of um, the process, even if right? it's, Yeah, it's a process of grief. Right. And I think um, that's a really interesting way of looking at the recasting of Pietro here. I just like that, like, you know, from that article, this was very, this wasn't just a screw with the fans. Like they, they, they knew they wanted to do something different and they happened to pick this person to help. It was like, oh, it's a natural choice of like being related. It's, it's, it's an interesting bit of audience participation of like, it's Pietro, but not Pietro. Like we know right. this actor as a Pietro. 
but they didn't want, they really did not want to pick the same person, which I think is, is pretty cool and kind of mm -hmm. shows an understanding of what they're dealing well, with. Well, and, and, and just from, a, from an audience perspective, like this is the only other actor probably in the world that could have done it, right. just given the fact that we know him as, some, as the same character somewhere else. Right. You know, yeah. like, like you couldn't just say, put Michael Sarah in this role. Right, right. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. You, you, pick, you pick someone relevant to it so that the audience has a connection still. Just like in real life, you know, you'd have your memories of it or mm -hmm. the same connection. It's just a version of the person. Yeah, yeah. A uh, small Easter egg that happened uh, related to this. Um, when uh, Pietro is taking the kids uh, trick-or-treating, he does, he does use the phrase kick-ass. Yeah. And uh, even Wanda is like questions and she's like, kick-ass? And uh, if anybody knows Evan Peters and the the actor, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. The actor that, that played the MCU version of Pietro in Age of Ultron, who yeah. passes away, were both in the movie Kick-Ass. Right. <laughs> uh, Aaron Johnson was his yeah. name. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, he plays the main character and his best friend in the movie is played by Evan Peters. Oh. The movie Kick-Ass. So, nice. Yes. So that's a nice little callback and Easter egg. Well, I think that's it. That's, so, that's, so yeah, so that's where do we stand six. here? Do we do we just, we say episode six and we kind of move on to episode seven? Is there anything that you're just like, if you were, when you were, when you were watching this originally, yep. were you still in the, okay, there's a, there's, there's where's Mephisto? <laughs> <laughs> so I was definitely of the opinion that yes, Wanda's in control, but I think they've established very clearly she's not in control of everything. Right. And we got to figure out how. Yeah. And I, I didn't think it was necessarily Mephisto. Mm. <laughs> Although at this point in time, I thought it, it could have been, but I was already of the, I never thought it was Mephisto to be perfectly honest. I never really did either. And I will say the reason that Mephisto got so popular during this is that it does come directly from the comics. When Wanda creates children in the comics, she uses parts of Mephisto's soul somehow to do it <laughs> and to, to imbue both of her children with souls. And it's just like, that's all been retconned out yeah. of the comics, but it's also, it's how it happened initially. And so everybody was just like, oh my God, Mephisto. And I will say Mephisto is not that interesting. Yeah. And if you want to use that sort of logic, Mephisto is the devil in sure, Marvel comics. So the, yeah, obviously he yeah. comes up a lot because whenever you want to have a character make a deal with the devil, then you're going to bring in <laughs> your version of the devil. I mean, right. if you really want to take it further, Mephisto also interacted with Black Panther. So <laughs> when people watch Black Panther, like, oh, is Mephisto going to be in this? Yeah. Also Mephisto, probably the most famous thing he's ever done in the comics with, was, 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 was with Spider-Man. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't think... Now they may do it with Spider-Man. Who knows? I hope they do. That's how that was they, super dumb. It was a super dumb thing. So it was it, it, just as an aside. I mean, Spider-Man wants to get his uh, secret identity back. He had he had come out during this, this the Civil War. Uh, he had come out, and everybody knew that he was Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Peter <laughs> Parker. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. Hey, everybody! I'm Peter Pan. I'm going to yeah. take your children. Um, and so he made a deal with the devil, Mephisto, to get his secret identity back, which is such a stupid way of doing it. Yeah. 
at all. Yeah, he made a deal. What, he he yeah, he, he nullifies his marriage. To, to, yeah, to do it too. It's so dumb. And then and and it, it it's such a throwaway sort of plot point too, because Mephisto is like, okay, you're he he trades his soul basically. Yeah. To do it. Because he doesn't want to hurt Mary Jane, he doesn't want to hurt his family and all that stuff. And Mephisto is just like, well, I realize that I don't want to take your soul because if I torture you forever, then you'll be happy about that because that means then that your family and everybody that you love is going to be safe. It's just so dumb. It's super dumb. So this is completely unrelated, but yet it is related. (laughs) I, I was thinking about the about trials because that's uh-huh. in the news and um, yeah you know the, the star trek came to mind and uh who puts people on trial is q q is always putting humanity on trial sort of like mephisto yes. Yes. mephisto and q are really similar and they're they're both like basically omnipotent uh, q is a million times better but yes yeah q is a better character q while being omnipotent is really petty like he yeah. just seems to screw with picard for some reason he could do whatever he him. wants, but he's like, or he likes him. It's it's unclear. I like this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same with Mephisto. It's like he can do whatever he wants. I'm gonna pick the lowest powered superhero. Yeah, and just right after him, and just bleep with him for a few episodes, and then I'll just go away. <laughs> and then the other thing about Q is like, there's so many relations. Like when you talk about Q now, naturally people think it's QAnon. Mm-hmm. Also, oddly relevant, Q both Qs thinking they're putting people on trial. Both think. Mm-hmm they're uh, omniscient in some way both sure. secretly just jerks <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. into really petty stuff oddly enough yeah and just so uh, all of you marvel fans out there don't think that dc doesn't have this too uh mixelplick yeah mr mixelplick is, 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 is q and is basically mephisto. q and mephisto right just on the dc side he's basically omnipotent no one could do anything with him and the way to defeat him is to make him say his name backwards yeah stupid and he always loses yeah somehow he's always tricked how does somebody that's that powerful always and it's such a like i have never said my name backwards <laughs> yeah never it's, it's taking the rumpelstiltskin myth right like that's all right. that is it's a yeah hey i like this and i'm gonna i do but it's like i have never said my name backwards yeah i i don't i would never get tricked you couldn't trick me into saying my name backwards i i, I don't even know how to say your name backwards. <laughs> I think that it's just a, a common trope, right? To have these omnipotent characters that are somewhat petty in these sure. little ways and they get tricked by these little things. Like, oh no, oh no, Q, you said this. You're like, yeah. Oh, darn it. Well, I guess I can't do it now. Yeah. Anyhow, that's that's, that's Mephisto. episode six. That's episode six. I think what I've determined though, I don't think Mephisto's coming into the MCU. I don't think so either. I think he's. I think they they're gonna get something better. I would, I hope so because Mephisto act. I don't think Mephisto's interesting. They have so many like big bad villains that they can do. I think they're gonna take a break from like an Avengers level villain for a while. Yeah. I think they're gonna explore. It's pretty clear from the next two or three years there's gonna be no Avengers movies. Yeah. Right. Like what they have like going forward, they're gonna kind of have. They're gonna have several of these Disney Plus movies or. or this is kind of a movie, but like Disney Plus series. And then they're going to have these standalones where you've got Doctor Strange, you've got Spider-Man, you've got a Black Panther series, uh, a Black Panther movie. You're going to have 
standalones. I don't know that they're going to have an Avengers until maybe five years down the road. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Looks pretty. And fun. then at that point, you know, you'll have had some integration of like the Fantastic Four and uh, X Men, and you've got then access to Magneto and Doctor Doom and the guy that eats planets and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Bring in him. Eating planet guy is way more interesting than Mephisto. At least I agree. Eating planet guy is not petty. No. He's, <laughs> he's like, he's hungry. Giant and dumb, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, I must eat planet. Super hungry. <laughs> like that, that's his whole thing. And at least he's not like, I'm going to ruin your marriage. Ha <laughs> 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 ha Do anything I want. <laughs> I don't know. You kind of pi- picture Mephisto like twirling his mustache at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're here to hate on all those Mephisto uh, rumors. <laughs> rumors. Yeah. All right. That's that's all I got. <laughs> well, excellent work, as always. And uh, rate, subscribe, review if you want. If you please don't, subscribe, please, please, please subscribe. Tell people about the the show. I think yeah, if you like be... it. If you're if you're listening every week, if you've made it this people. far, you're pretty into the show. Yeah. Tell people about it. Yeah, Say nice. hey. There's these two idiots that talk about stuff. Yeah. And they're not terrible. And uh, if you want to be a guest, let us know. <laughs> yeah, we'll take to... you on. We're, we're, we're going to, like, I, I think we're just going to start reaching out to our listeners individually. Yeah. Because <laughs> it wouldn't take us, it wouldn't take us, but like 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, and we'll just ask you, hey, do you want to come on? And we're basically, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye, Bye for now. Bye.